Hi, welcome back to the Los Angeles Podcast of Anaheim, a semi-daily audio blog for all things Angels baseball. My name is David, and I've been gone for a couple weeks. I lost my voice, basically. I got sick, my voice gave out, and between the coughing and sniffling, I tried to record a few episodes, but I ended up spending about four times longer than actually recording it because I was trying to edit out all the sniffles and coughs and hacks. And between that and just the pain in my throat, I stopped for a couple weeks. And I missed a lot. Uh, This has been a very streaky season, and not all of it, actually a lot of it, has not been good. So I wanted to take a look back at the first 27 games of the season, the month of April, uh, go down the list of the roster, see who's been doing well, what's been going right, as well as what's gone badly. And there's a long list of both. The Angels played 27 games, 20 of which were in division, and they finished the month 14 and 13 and playing 20 games in 20 days. Anyways, overall 14 and 13, they have a negative 11 run differential. They're 9 and 4 at home, which is good, but they're also they have a negative run difference, a minus 1 run, run differential at home, only 5 and 9 on the road, a minus 10 run div- differential. In the division games that mattered most, they they went one and three against Houston, three and three against Texas, and then three and zero oh against Seattle, and five and two against Oakland. So they've been doing well in division, and that's really what's most important in this stretch. With respect to the rest of the American League, they are the they have the third worst runs per game average. And a big part of it is that their slugging percentage, they have the second worst slugging percentage in the league behind, uh, ahead of only Kansas City, and they are putrid. Pitching-wise, they are, the Angels are 8th out of 15 in ERA, but 5th in runs allowed per game, and a lot of that is due to the really good defense behind them. So the peripherals are not great. But that said, they're still 14 and 13. They're in second place, three and a half games behind the Astros at uh, 17 and nine, and nine. Oakland, Seattle, and the Mariners are behind them, two and a, two and uh, three and a half games behind the Angels. The Angels have a minus 11 run differ- differential overall, and despite that, they're still in second place. So. The peripherals don't look great. Their offense doesn't look great. Their pitching's got some issues. And we knew that there were going to be bumps and bruises that this team was going to have, that this wasn't going to be a really well-rounded team. And maybe it's because of that. My my suspicion is that because of that, because of their flaws, they they are going to be really inconsistent. And we saw that. We've seen that the entire month. They started out winning 6 of 8. Then they lost 9 of 10. And then they turned around and won 7 of 9. So let's take a look at the reasons why. Let's uh, look at the everyday lineup first. At the top of the lineup, Yuno Escobar at third base, he started out the season like a house on fire. Then like everybody else in the lineup, he went, well, almost everybody else in the lineup, he went into a deep funk when they lost 9 of 10. They didn't hit at all. And lately, the offense has stayed stagnant, and Escobar is right now hitting uh 234, his he's slugging just 336. He has grounded into a bunch of double plays. He's already grounded into five double plays this season. That's a lot, especially for a guy leading off. 
Cole Calhoun went, has gone through similar troubles. He's walking more this year, which is fine. But he, like Escobar, went into that deep funk during that 9 out of 10 stretch where they lost all those games. And he has started to hit again slowly. But between those two guys, um, Calhoun's only getting on base at a 333 clip. He's only slugging 343. That's not a lot of production coming out of the top of the lineup, especially over the la- after the first 10 games. Those two guys just haven't really hit. And that means that number three, the guy who doesn't slump, Mike Trout, who has had one of the best months in the league, his best April, 334, 433 on base, 707 slugging. His OPS is at 1151. He has been monstrous. And really, he has been the only one who's really hit. And with those two guys in front of him not hitting at all, Trout has really had to carry the piano all by himself. Behind him, Pujols is only hitting 231. He's had three homers. He's driven in 22 runs, but it's only because he's had all those opportunities with Trout in front of him. Now, behind Pujols is where things start getting complicated. C.J. Crone has gotten off to a very slow start. I, th- I was hoping that spring training would translate. It has not, and now he fouled off. A couple games ago, he fouled off the ball. He fouled the ball off his foot. He's on the 10-day DL. It'll probably be longer, which means Jeffrey Marte is going to take over. Now, I I am actually very high on Marte, probably unreasonably so. I was really expecting him at some point to start taking over in left field. That hasn't happened because he's had to play first base. And like Crone, he has really struggled. He started out well. Like everybody else, he has crashed. He's been playing every day and you're starting to see some signs of life but he's still under 200 for the season he's had a couple homers and driven a couple runs but that's about it he and crone have been very weak at first base and with Valbuena still not back yet this is all the angels have exacerbating the problem of course and this is something that i did say was going to happen and it is happening Cameron Mabin and Ben Revere are stinking it up. They are not hitting. I did nobody really expected or should have expected Mabin or Revere to really bring a lot of offense. They're playing good defense, better defense than the Angels have had in left field for many years, actually. But neither of these guys are hitting. Cameron Mabin is just over 200. He's at 206. His slugging percentage and on-base percentage are both under 300. Pathetic. Ben Revere, same thing. He's only at 184, 205, 237 slash line. These are terrible numbers. It's almost as if left field in, in Anaheim is cursed. These guys stink. Marte has not played well. Crone has not played well. And then behind them, Danny Espinoza, uh, glove work aside, he's leading the league in strikeouts. He's only hitting 170. And behind him, uh, weirdly enough, Martin Maldonado has actually been not as bad as advertised, which is still pretty bad. His on-base percentage, 357, pretty good. His slugging percentage, 311, awful. So that's what the Angels have right now. They have a lineup that is almost entirely devoid of production with the exception of the MVP. Mike Trout has carried this team, has carried the offense almost completely over the last 17 games. 
Trout's 18 extra bases are on top of the American League. He is top 10 in basically every single offensive category. It's basically another Mike Trout season, except better right now. And if you can, if you can believe that, he is actually on pace for something like a 12-war season. Unspeakably good beyond the Zips projections that we were talking about earlier this year that we thought were already ridiculous. But by himself, he can't win every game. At some point, somebody's going to have to show up. Calhoun's going to have to show up. Pujols has to show up. Somebody has to play first base and show up, either Crone or Marte. And hopefully, Val- Luis Valbuena, when he gets back, is going to be able to contribute offensively because nobody else is. If there's any good news, it's that Andrelden Simmons, and well, I can't believe I skipped over him, he's hitting 284, 358, 400. That's a very solid 758 OPS. He has clocked in a walk rate of almost 10 per 100 at-bats. That is some, That is way over his normal career uh, walk rate, and it looks like it's real because he has been very selective. He has been very careful, and he's also had... Uh, really, he's always had very high contact rates. He doesn't strike out. So if he's getting more selective and he's controlling the strike zone more, then I think this level of production is real. So hopefully he can, he can keep it up in May. I think, um, and beyond that, I think the only good news is that you can't expect this team to be this bad. Uh, Albert Pujols is not this bad of a player. He's not who he was, but he's not this bad. Cole Cole Calhoun is not this bad. Unil Escobar is probably not this bad. Cam Maben might be. Uh, Danny Espinosa probably is. Martin Maldonado probably is. So there's a ceiling to the offense. But the Angels should improve. That said, you can't expect Trout to be a 12, to have, you know, one of the great seasons of all time. Although with him, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You don't want to have to rely on that type of performance, though. Still, with an offense that is one of the worst in the American League, they're still 14-13, and 13, and the reason why, strangely, is pitching. And I'm going to take a little break, and then we'll talk about it. Yes, that is the Charlie Brown baseball theme. Um, a couple of people pointed that out. And anyone who knows me knows just how much I love that comic strip. So, 14 and 13 with one of the worst offenses in the league. Why? Well, obviously, the reason is the other side of the coin. The pitching has been much better than expected. And that the problem is that may not last. That won't last. And this is one of the, when I was sick, when my voice was lost, I was also furious because as expected, as I predicted, Garrett Richards went from bicep strain to 10-day DL to some indeterminate length of time, some, you know, lack of deadline. And I would be surprised if we saw him again this season. It is really frustrating. I'm not sure if the Angels are lying to us or if they're lying to themselves, but either way, it's not good. Richards, With Richards gone, the Angels have had to move 
J.C. Romero from the bullpen to the starting rotation, and which has been great for both the Angels and Romero because Romero was awful out of the pen. He gave up a run three out of the four, uh, two out of three games that he came out of the pen. But after a bad first start against Kansas City, the last three starts, he's pitched 17 and two-thirds. He's only allowed five runs in those innings. He has been very solid. He's looked very good. Velocity especially has been very strong for him. He's been able to find the strike zone most of the time. That's still got to get better, but he's been able to set up his fastball and using that to set up his breaking stuff, and that's been very good for him. That said, he's not Garrett Richards. He's not one of the best starting pitchers in the American League. And with Richards gone, Romero's going to have to be really something else because right right now, uh, Matt Shoemaker has not been good. Jesse Chavez has been, oh, well, he's, you know, two and four, four and a half ERA. This is basically who Jesse Chavez is. You can't expect any more from him. Ricky Nolasco, two and two, 4.13 ERA. That is pretty strong. That is what you can expect from Ricky Nolasco. You can count on that. And if that's what you get, you should be extremely happy. What the Angels really needed was somebody at the top end of the rotation to really stand out. Uh, Richards is done, uh, and I, I can't be more upset about that. But compounding that is Matt Shoemaker has not been good. He's been very unreliable, five starts. He's just one and one. Uh, more, though, his ERA is 4.37, and it could really be worse. It's not that he's walking a lot of guys, although he is walking more than you'd like to see. But it's within at-bats. Uh, Shoemaker relies more on his fastball than almost any other starter the Angels have had in a good long while, not since Jared Washburn. And that sets up everything. He has to throw strikes, and he has to be able to make guys miss with that fastball and then put them away later in the count. He hasn't been able to be consistently find the strike zone with that fastball, and because of that, he's had to really serve it up late in the count. And like I said, he's not walking a ton of guys, but he is having to throw hittable strikes to keep from walking all these guys, and batters are hitting him hard. So Shu, yeah, last year he got off to a slow start, finished as one of the better pitchers in the American League up until he got he took that line drive uh, off his head. Up until then, though, he had a very strong four months, so the Angels are really going to have to hope that that happens again. And really, it's going to be especially important that that happens again because the Angels have now lost Tyler Skaggs for 10 to 12 weeks with an abdominal issue, which means that the the rotation already taxed is now going to have to add Daniel Wright, uh, most likely. And really, you can't you have to really temper your expectations with Wright because at any point he could lose the the strike zone, and then the game is over. It's a particular shame for Skaggs because he had started to pitch really well after getting off to such a slow start. Like Shoemaker, he has to rely on his fastball. They, these are guys that don't have you know high 90s fastballs, but Skaggs has a fantastic curveball. He's got great breaking stuff that he has to set up with a good fastball. The last couple starts out, he has been very effective, finding the strike zone with the fastball, dotting it on the outside corner, then being able to go inside with a curveball, go outside with the curveball, and go away with the changeup. And it's all set up 
due to a very good fastball. Now he's gone for up to three months, and the Angels really are going to have to you know, find some way around this if they want to stay at all relevant in the American League West. What has saved them once the, once the offense died, what saved them has been the decent starting pitching, and weirdly enough, the bullpen, supposedly the weakest part of this team. And it's because you know, Houston Street started the season on the DL, and then Cam Bedrosian, who is great for six innings, and now he's out for uh, at least a little while longer. And that meant they had to do some juggling. And three guys that you didn't really expect a lot from have saved the Angels' bacon. Bud Norris, who started the year out very badly, got his shot at uh, temporary closer, and he has started throwing in his one inning in the ninth. Between 95 and 97 miles an hour, he is 5 for 5 in save opportunities. He has been striking guys out like crazy, doing a Wade Davis impersonation. Nine strikeouts in his last five and a third, all five save opportunities, no problems. Jose Alvarez and Blake Parker, in their last 10 innings, each of these guys have only allowed two runs. Parker, in particular, seems to be a Socha favorite. And they've been going to these two guys a lot. Between these two and Norris, they have really carried the late innings for the Angels. And that has been, in the modern game, that is what you have to do. You have to get six innings out of your starter, the out of your starters, and then some bridge guys into a closer. And the Angels have been able to do that. They've been able to scratch out a few runs here and there. They've been able to get to the bullpen. And strangely enough, shockingly enough, the bullpen has been there for them. If that keeps happening, and then you add on a healthy Bedrosian on top of that when he comes back, yeah, it's too much to expect these guys to be this good for an extended period of time. But they have to be. If the Angels are going to be relevant, they have to be. The Again, I'm referring back to that first episode where we talked to Dan Zamborski. The projections for these guys... They're not the worst guys in the world. They're not the best guys in the world. They're just guys. And that does mean, though, that these guys are professional pitchers. They know what they're doing. And if they play well, if they can feed off each other, if they're not, and this is very important, if they're not overworked and then come out throwing hard just maybe two or three times a week, and they, then they can maybe sustain some level of success. But if they're constantly having to come in in the fifth and sixth innings of games, if they're constantly having to bail out starting weak starting pitching, then you can see an overtaxed bullpen, guys really getting exposed in their 50th or not 50th, but maybe 70th or even 80th innings of work for the season. That's going to be a real problem. Hopefully it doesn't get to that. Hopefully the offense wakes up enough and the starting pitching can hold together just a little longer to help the bullpen out a little. But for now, for now that bullpen is moving along okay. I mean, between resting on the shoulders of those three, and hopefully Bedrosian will be back soon. Now, Bedrosian, he, as of a few days ago, he has still not started throwing again. He had a growing issue, and he, he was put on the 10-day DL that was more than 10 days ago. It's been about 13 days now. He hasn't started throwing, and that's a problem. And this is this is one of the frustrations league-wide, I think, 
that with the institution of, with the creation of the 10-day DL, teams are essentially gaming the system. They're putting guys on there, kind of hoping to see what happens, but really, they're just filling up space. The, most of the guys going on the 10-day DL, teams are basically using it as either a taxi squad or they are hiding much more serious injuries because maybe they just don't want to talk about it yet. Maybe like uh, the Mets with Noah Syndergaard, he's on the 10-day DL. There is nobody on earth, earth who thinks Syndergaard is going to be out for just 10 days, but that's where he is. Nobody on earth thinks that Skaggs is going to be back soon. 10-day DL to start. Garrett Richards, same thing, 10-day DL to start. It is really frustrating to get a straight answer from teams without, without pushing them. And the 10-day DL, it just makes things worse. So, uh, but that's just, that's my personal frustration. That is a league-wide issue. Uh, for the Angels, with respect to Cam Bedrosian, I got to think, since he's not, he hasn't started throwing, he's probably going to be out at least another week or two. So we'll see how the Angel bullpen can hold up if Norris can continue to be as effective as he has, if Parker... And Alvarez and uh, Hernandez, David Hernandez, the new guy that the Angels picked up a few days ago, or last week, if they can hold up until Bedrosian gets back. Right, my voice is starting to give out again. The So there's still a lot to talk about, but I'm going to move on to defense and some other issues in the next podcast. For now, right today, Tuesday, May 2nd, the Angels are going to be playing three in Seattle, going down to Houston for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then back into Oakland. So nine straight uh, division games. Tonight's game, the first game of the series, is Matt Shoemaker Shoemaker against James Paxson. And Paxson has gotten off to a great start this season. He has not given up a run in four of his five starts. So he's working out. Paxson right now is working on a stretch of 21 consecutive scoreless innings. And so we'll see what the Angels' offense can do about that if the struggling offense can uh, start to turn it around a little bit. So I'm going to give my voice a rest, and then we will continue talking about that first month and what it looks like, what things are going to look like going forward. Okay, have a great day, folks, and I will talk to you soon.